1: Tiger fans, welcome to another episode of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to be notified of all future episodes. Apple Podcasts and Spotify video users rate and review the show and everyone. Go follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love Jackson State University. And we are headed to Mobile, Alabama for a home game. That's right. A home game in Mobile against the Alabama A&M Bulldogs in the Gulf Coast Challenge. And here to tell us all about those Bulldogs is a familiar voice, a familiar face. He is an award-winning sports journalist, and he's currently the sports director at Fox 54 News in Huntsville, none other than Mo Carter. Welcome back to Tiger Talk with the 1400
0: Club. Hey, Corey, good to see you, my friend. Hope all is well in your neck of the woods.
1: Absolutely. All, all is good. We're looking forward to this game. Obviously, when we're talking to Alabama AM, you're synonymous with the squad. You know all about the team, Coach Maynard. So, we definitely like to kind of see what we're getting ourselves into. So, uh, this team, obviously, three and six, three and three in the SWAC. Uh, we want to get, we really want to dive into it. But first, kind of just give us, your, I guess, your Cliff Notes version of how this season has gone so far for the Bulldogs.
0: I mean, it's literally been up and down, but it really started down before it actually got on up. Obviously, you know, the first four games of the season, you know, dropping the huge one to UAB, which kind of seemed expected or whatever. But then, you know, they were in the game against Troy, and then all of a sudden things just kind of just went by the wayside, had a chance against Austin Peay. And I'll never forget this stat line. They, they got into Austin Peay territory seven times. And we're, I'm talking about, like, the 35-yard line or closer yeah. and came away with three points on seven possessions. So they just had no way wow. of taking opportunities that were in front of them. And then down there in Florida A&M, came out, did quite well in the beginning, but then they could not sustain some late second quarter um situations and eventually that rolled into a loss for them then they rolled off three victories you know they picked a victory against Badun-Cookman picked up an overtime victory mm-hmm. against Grambling and then after what was supposed to be in St. Louis and got moved back to Arkansas they beat Pine Bluff in a you know a pretty close um, but competitive game but then after that I mean the reels have kind of fallen off the rail once again they blew mm-hmm. a lead to arch rival Alabama State in the Mad City Classic then from there on a short week They came over to the state of Mississippi, national television, and, you know, gave Coach Vincent Dancy and the Delta Devils their first win of the season. So, as I mentioned, it's literally been a season of downs and ups, and now it looks like they're kind of going back into the downward trajectory as they get ready for the best team in the SWAC and perhaps Mm -hmm. in all of HBCU football
1: definitely so a roller coaster of a season and you know let's go back to that mississippi valley game because going into the game only two swag lost. so you like to think that you have a chance granted jackson state's undefeated expected to run the table but you never know what can happen you want to give yourself a puncher's chance if the, if the kind of ball uh, falls in your favor but how crushing how disappointing was that loss especially to a winless team
0: oh it was absolutely disappointing i mean the fact that they actually, when you look at the yardage of what they outgained Mississippi Valley and uh, various stat categories, but at the end of the day, you know, costly turnovers and missed opportunities were the main thing that actually did Alabama a and them in. I mean, uh, Quincy Casey got majority of the snaps, former Jackson State Tiger at one point in the time. He got majority of the snaps. I think he threw for over 300-something yards. <laughs> yeah, and – um. You know, he had some touchdowns, but he had two costly interceptions that led to Mississippi Valley points. And then I'm not going to go ahead and say you put all the blame on the quarterback or whatever and stuff, because you need the weapons around him to still make plays. And I'll say I counted seven drops Mm -hmm. by Alabama A&M receivers. Mm -hmm. And at least two of those drops were in the hands of receivers that were in the end zone. So, you know, you think about like, what if they had four drops? but mm-hmm. two of those that were in the end zone would have been touched down. Like it's, it's, it's a whole team thing that you have to kind of go back and look at And I'm pretty sure they were shaking their head looking at the game film, like, man, you know, we should have won this game mm-hmm. or whatever, but Mississippi Valley took, took advantage of the mistakes that Alabama A&M made. Also they took advantage of a short week and mm-hmm. they also took advantage of just, you know, being under the bright lights on national television and, mm-hmm it's definitely demoralizing um the way alabama A&M has lost their previous two games in uh, less than two weeks
1: mm-hmm. yeah now coming off a of 7 and 3 season uh picked to finish third in the east going into this season but they struggled a bit defensively uh, last season that and they although they were a juggernaut at times offensively with of course mr glass running the show but this year, they've fallen on hard times on offense, currently ranked, ranked uh, 10th in the league in points per game at just under 21. So would you say that's the biggest difference between this season and last season?
0: Oh, absolutely. That's a huge difference. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we knew that this Alabama a offense may not have been as explosive as it was mm-hmm. during the Aquil last years. But I mean, you know, you see that all the time with uh, various schools, no matter if they're SWAC, if they're PWI, you like, you know, you will have that fall off. I mean, I can go into various, various examples or whatever, uh, but I don't know if we got that much time. But one, one that really, really like just sticks out to me, let's go back to the mid 2000s. Remember when Bruce Eugene, was lighting up the Mm -hmm. scoreboards for Grambling State. And then once he left or whatever, after that, it went into the hands of Brandon Landers. And I mean, they weren't lighting up the scoreboard. And, you know, clearly, um, I think the year after Bruce's senior year, I remember correctly, they finished with a losing season. Yeah, they finished with a losing season. And the other thing I remember was that, obviously, they had to go ahead and actually make changes and outwin uh, Melvin Spears and in came coach Rod Broadway, as a matter of fact. And eventually, that offense still was so-so, but eventually, they got some things going. But clearly, like, imagine Bruce Eugene had more years, they would have continued to be strong on offense. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you you just kind of have to look at, like, the transition stuff. And I mean, and I think... I think at the end of the day, you always have to be prepared for that next man up. I just think that the way things kind of played out, it was. Um, I'm a, I'm a, this is hot, what I thought. So obviously, they had a lot of transfers mm-hmm. from the transfer portal. One of the main transfers was Williams, that was coming from Miami. Former starter, University of Miami, Mm -hmm. you know, played quite well during his career or whatever. I think the ball was supposed to be in his court to be the starting quarterback. Mm -hmm. And he probably got majority of the reps during the spring. And then all of a sudden, he decided to step away from football because they had some mental issues he had to go ahead mm-hmm. and deal with. Eventually, he decided to go ahead and just quit football just in general mm-hmm. and, you know, just focus on life or whatever. So I think from there, mm-hmm. that became a big blow. And then all of a sudden, sure, you got Xavier Langford and you got Quincy Casey, two guys that have some experience. But now they're thrusted into a quarterback battle with only three weeks to go into the season, four Mm -hmm. weeks, if you want to give it tops. Mm -hmm. So that's a different scenario. And you think about what chemistry was probably like. You think about what the play calling, you know, changes up or whatever in those situations. So I think because of all that, that's why the offense really, really got off to a slow and sluggish start. Mm -hmm. And then during the time where they actually found success what did they do? They went completely opposite than what we're used to seeing. They started running the ball heavily. Donovan Eagle in the mm-hmm. Michigan State transfer, he was pounding the rock and toting it or whatever quite well for Alabama and then while they tried to find an offensive identity. But eventually, defenses will load up in the box, and then you're forcing your quarterbacks to throw once again. And now I kind of feel like you're back to the drawing board trying to figure out what you're going to do in these upcoming weeks obviously you know if it works it works if not you got to go back and change the game plan and I'm pretty sure you know that's probably something coach Dancy saw when he was looking at um at the film and whatnot I mean obviously you know I remember playing against coach Dancy heck of a defensive Mm -hmm. player so Mm -hmm. great defensive mind so I'm pretty sure he and the staff saw some things and that's how they made some stuff happen on top of taking advantage of the turnovers and mistakes that Alabama A&M made last week which resulted in the Delta Devils first win of the season.
1: So going back to that quarterback situation, Quincy Casey, he took the bulk of I think he may have taken all of the snaps last week against Mississippi Valley, had a big game throwing wise, 366. He talked about the, the costly interceptions, but has he being that he's taking the bulk of the, the snaps now? Has he separated himself as the clear starter for now?
0: Well, when we asked Coach Manor that he, Coach Manor kind of nodded to the fact that Quincy Casey appears to be ahead of it. But because of the way the offense has really been in these past couple of weeks, it's almost like who's playing better this week? in practice, mm-hmm. and then we'll gotcha, make gotcha. a decision, you know, based on it. And obviously you have to kind of take what your defenses give you as well. I mean, granted, I think Quincy Casey probably runs a better spread RPO type style while Xavier Langford is probably setting more for a pro style. Let's kind of run the rock to set up the play action a little bit or whatever. So I guess it just depends on what their game plan is as they try to go up against um, this wanted defense that Jackson State presents on Saturday.
1: Mm-hmm. And going back to that running back room, you talked about Eaglin, the uh, transfer from Michigan State, but the preseason all swack first-team running back, Gary Quarles, who led the swag in rushing last season, decided to hit the portal. So talk about how much of a blow that loss was, and did they skip a beat with Eaglin stepping in at the running back position?
0: So obviously it was a blow because, um, you know, Gary Quarles, you know, two-time all-swag standout, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, the thing is, he's been injured. He like he has been injured on and off, and it's been real, real tough to get him back on the field. And obviously, when you're when you've got a running back room where it's next man up, he kind of started to fall, you know, between the depth charts. Now, obviously, I've heard I've heard people actually say or whatever that he's going to hit the transfer portal or whatever stuff. Never got official word on that. And also with the new transfer portal rules, you can't even in- enter it until December anyway. So, you know, we'll see okay. what kind of happens or whatever with that. But um, as far as I know, he's still with the team. I've seen him with the team. But as far as okay. him playing, yeah, it just has not. You just haven't really seen him because, you know, you've had guys like um, like Donovan Eaglin and Harold Jemison, you know, step up for more of a ground and pound uh, you know, situation. And obviously, Coach Man is going to play the healthiest and guy that gives you the best opportunity to play as well, because, I mean, playing running back is not an easy job at all. I mean, you can literally ask anybody that's ever told it to rock even five times of the game how much that's going to hurt. So, you know, clearly the injury bug has, you know, hit a lot of places on the Alabama a and offense mm-hmm. and it's not just him. I mean, here's another thing too. Uh, you think about a guy like a dude for Ty Ibrahim. Mm-hmm. He's battled yeah. a foot injury throughout the year. Um you know, and it's one of those things where it's like one week he's good, the next week that foot injury is kind of like really taking a toll and Obviously, if they're thinking about his future, like, okay, you know, why rush it or whatever in in those senses? So that kind of all goes back to the chemistry stuff, too, when you Mm -hmm. think about it, Corey. So, man, this – yeah, like you said, this offense, they're looking for some sort of identity, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like literally. And, yes, I know it's next man up, but at the same time, there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of things going Mm -hmm. on. I just don't think overall they've been able to really come together and be concise. And because of that, that's why you see – the uh, the record is standing where it is, which will eventually result in Coach Maynard's first losing season here in Huntsville.
1: Mm-hmm. And you talked about those drop passes, those costly drops by the wide receivers. That's obviously contributed to the inconsistency. And, the, and that's a kind of uncharted territory for this team over the past couple of seasons because they could make the argument that they've had the best wide receiver unit in the SWAC the past two seasons, but they lost a bunch of those guys due to the transfer portal uh, graduation. You talked about Ibrahim nursing the injury as well. So has the loss of some of those guys coupled with the loss of glass really impacted the offense?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember Coach, not Coach Glass, Aquil Glass saying like how he and his guys would work out so many times a week or they would take a trip and go work out. And you build that chemistry during the offseason. When you mm-hmm. don't have a scenario like that, you end up kind of going week to week with it. Now, don't get me wrong, during preseason camp, like Quincy Casey and Xavier Langford, they got their fair share of. Of offensive reps or whatever, like I would go to practice mm-hmm. on a Monday. Quincy's running running with the ones, Xavier's running with the twos, and then and, and they go through the motions. Then maybe the next day you flip flop it or whatever and stuff. So it okay. was a true competition. But I still do feel that because we didn't really know who was going to be the starter all the way until what two days before the UAB game. Mm-hmm. You, I'm not saying that the chemistry wasn't there but just being a former player I have a feeling that's really what it what it really came down to whatever with too and also remember too Ibrahim like his injury happened like third week of preseason camp mm-hmm. so you're still trying to fit all these other guys in all these transfers all these other gentlemen who are still trying to find the reps Um, you know Isaiah Cox Cameron Young Terrell Gardner he's a veteran he's been on the team Brian Jenkins Jr. another guy who's been yep. nursing injuries throughout the entire year I mean you know I, I'm gonna look at it like this as far as a starting four wide receiver core I'm not sure how many games the true starting fours actually play together okay. this year because yeah. of how how things have gone quite frankly mhm yeah
1: Wow. Tough, tough season for the for the Bulldogs, definitely, you know, especially on offense, but even which they've hung their hat on. But defensively, uh, which was kind of a liability at times last season, there has been some improvements since last season, but not enough to to put them amongst the elites of the conference. The defense is giving up about 34 points a game. That ranks 10th in the conference. I know Coach Maynard has really focused on the transfer portal to overhaul that unit, and he's really made no bones about it. So talk about that side of the ball.
0: So, obviously, they had to make changes on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you know, hands down. Granted, they don't have a guy named Aquil Glass on the other side of the ball. They probably lose a whole lot of games because of the defense. So, yeah, you know, he, he made some changes. And because he made those changes or whatever, he hit the transfer portal, and they kind of reconstructed their defense um, under, you know, what you see uh, right now uh, going with it. You know, he brought in his former defensive coordinator from, um, from Winston-Salem State, in which, you know, back in those times, that's when Winston-Salem State was going to the Division II um, championship. And, you know, they ended up, what? They end up losing at, the, you know, D2 Championship, I think, to Valdosta State. But, you know, Conest Boulware was the guy that was the architect of that defense and actually took over Coach Maynard after Coach Maynard left to go to Hampton before he came over to um, Alabama and m And, I mean, yes, you've seen improvements on defense. Guys like Dre Terry and Zarian Hayes and Avion Rice um, have been making, you know, making plays for that defense. Um, I think another thing, too, that's kind of like a hidden gem or whatever, is that because of the inept of the offense, the defense has been put in more bend but break situations than they probably should be allowed, you know, quite frankly. And I'll use that Austin mm-hmm. P game, for example. I mean, you get to the Austin P 40 and 35 yard line seven times, and you only get three points. That is that is demoralizing for the defense knowing that, man, we got y'all the ball mm-hmm. back and y'all still can't that do is. anything or whatever. You know, and I mean, and, and I'm not just, I'm speaking not only from what I saw, but also being a former collegiate uh, defensive back as well. That is definitely demoralizing mm-hmm. in that scenario. So that AM and defense is actually, you know, while the numbers may not show it, they're much improved. It's just at the end of the day, you know, defense, offense and special teams, they all worked hand in hand. And because you haven't seen much offense success this year, it's why some of these defensive numbers don't look as great as they uh you know they could or they they should be. But I will say this, they've gotten they've gotten off the field a lot more times this year on third down than what they've done, God, in the last two, three years, to be to be honest with you or whatever. But unfortunately, because they, they get to the point where eventually it just breaks down and that's where you know, a lot of games kind of uh, get away uh, from them. I mean, the Florida and m game was a true example. The Troy game was a true mm-hmm. example, like – you know, things were going well and then the wheels fall off because of just certain things happening on both sides. And it kind of just becomes the cause and effect in that scenario. I mean, and granted, I mean, what they're about to face on Saturday, shoo! it's, it's, it's going to be literally a test of might and will. I mean, you know, I wish them the best mm-hmm. in that situation. But I mean, you know, Shadira Sanders has been putting up some very good good numbers i mean you know behind the quarterback from fordham and also lindsey scott jr um i'm pretty sure he's like right there as far as like top offensive uh production from from the fcs level on the quarterback standpoint and you know with that being said all of a sudden that's what alabama defense is tasked uh to try to stop Mm -hmm. this upcoming weekend and quite frankly can they do it probably not but who knows you know w- w- what's going to happen football's a weird game
1: It's a strange game. It's a strange game. And, you know, you you talked about uh, the defensive end, Hayes, one of their top guys. He's been really wreaking havoc in the uh, trenches uh, as far as his numbers, 14 tackles for losses, 48, uh, 46 total tackles and two and a half sacks. But if I'm not mistaken, he'll have to sit out the first half against Jackson State due to a targeting call. So they'll be even, uh, you know, definitely not at full strength. Already uh, a defense that's already kind of struggling will be even less than a full strength. So that's something to look out for as well. And, of course, the game uh, will be in Mobile. This is a Jackson State home game, but i will be, again, in Mobile in the Gulf Coast Challenge. So give me your thoughts on that, the atmosphere that we can expect.
0: So Alabama A&M has been playing in the Gulf Coast Challenge, um, you know, a number of years. I remember the first year they played Southern, and um, you had, like, about twenty-five, twenty-six thousand. 26,000. Uh, down there, they play Central State not too long ago, and then they played Tuskegee. And I mean, you've had good numbers, but the way you know Jackson State has been traveling, I'm pretty sure if this game isn't sold out, it will be sold out by the time kickoff like really rolls down. Um, Tim Hale and um and oh god, I, the guy's name um escapes me right now, but the other. The other gentleman that's in charge—that's really in charge of it. Two HBCU grads. One guy uh, graduated from Southern University, another guy graduated from Alabama A&M. They've been doing a really, really good job when it comes to fundraising for this game to make solid payments to the teams, and also there are a lot of activities that kind of surround these games as well, whether it's comedy shows or concerts or um, you know. Battle the bands type things, along with um that I know there's a parade as well. So there's a lot of things a lot of good things that kinda surround the game before the actual game, you know, goes on. So and also I'm 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 quite familiar with the fact that Alabama A and M has a pretty large alumni base down in the Mobile area. But I think Jackson State actually has a pretty good alumni base along the Definitely. Gulf Coast as well. Definitely. Yeah, so so Definitely. when you kind of bring both of those or whatever together, I'm pretty sure that, you know, the atmosphere is gonna be solid or whatever and whatnot. At first I admit I thought it'd probably been more of a pro A and M crowd, but you know, winning cures all things when it comes to comes to things of that nature. So with that being said, I mean, it's probably going to be a little bit more even maybe a few more Jackson fans. It kind of, you know, will depend. Obviously, there's a lot going on riding with this game too. Um, you know, Jack State for sure needs one game, uh, you know, one victory to clinch the Eastern Division and represent the SWAC East in the SWAC championship game once again while for Alabama A&M. You're trying to just finish out your season on a good note. And yes, you just lost to the team that had the worst record in, in the SWAC. Now you're going to face the team with the best record in the SWAC. Yes. Like we said, football is a weird game or whatever, but Coach Maynard and company, if they could find a way to pull off the ultimate upset on Saturday, that will definitely be a savior to the season for sure. Obviously, they'll still have a losing season records-wise, but they could at least be like, hey, you know, we were actually able to dig deep and pull a huge upset uh, from that and obviously we also know the history for what happened with Coach Maynard and Coach Sanders and the scooter and all that uh, mm-hmm. nothing was said of that nature or whatever yeah, I was waiting on it, something yeah. <laughs> I yeah, wanted some, pre, some pregame
1: pre- theatrics
0: yeah um, I, I think Coach Maynard you know kind of learned his lesson whatever was mm-hmm. that last year but also too um, I think it really kind of just boils down to what what's really, really going down on the field. And also, Coach Manning could be like, hey, look, I ain't got to go ahead and do the pregame theatrics, the postgame theatrics, because my friend down in Montgomery took care of that. You did, know, and yeah, did, Robinson, it, yeah, yeah, you know, with the whole I am swag stuff and yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. want to even go into go in into that and, and whatnot. But um, yeah. as far as the atmosphere, I think the atmosphere will be very, very good. City Mobile has been waiting on this game for a long time and they're going to see this matchup this year. And they're going to see this matchup also in the year twenty twenty four. Yeah. Uh, twenty twenty three. I don't exactly know what the game is. Uh, is set. I heard rumor that AM may be playing Tuskegee down there, but I don't have um I don't have true confirmation on that. That's kinda like hearsay from the street committee or whatever. Sometimes street committee could be cool, but mm-hmm. I, I I like to see things in words first, you know, before mm-hmm. I truly, truly go off the street committee stuff, if you know what I mean
1: right right yeah no doubt so yeah we expect a great atmosphere you talked about the you know jackson state having a fan base there definitely a huge alumni base of course one of our greats robert brazil dr doom the pro football hall of famer he's from there and we've always recruited well uh in that area so we're looking forward to it And if i'm not mistaken from a, a traveling from a distance uh standpoint it, the distance to jackson uh, for from huntsville in mobile is roughly the same maybe a few minutes difference or or that didn't really yeah. change right
0: yeah yeah, it's um. so obviously with me having Louisiana ties, I've, ha- I've had to go both routes. Yeah, you make that, um, yeah, that trip. So, no, it, it literally is about the same going both ways. I mean, you know, if you if you drive the speed limit from Huntsville to Mobile, you'll mm-hmm. get there in and around about five hours, five hours and some change. And. You can get from Huntsville to Jackson just about five hours as well. So, yeah, it's it's about one what, what give that. or take. And the best thing about it, too, is that it's all interstate uh, for mm-hmm. for and fans that are traveling from uh, this way, no matter if you're going to Jackson or if you're going to Mobile like they're doing this week. This weekend, you, you know, all you got to do is go roll out the I-65, go down 65 mm-hmm. through Birmingham, through Montgomery, through Atmore, and eventually you make your way down to the Gulf mm-hmm. Coast where – mobile is located
1: definitely last thing man you know she knows louisiana ties. you 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 always let it be known that you are a proud southern jaguar you're going to make sure you get that out so i have to ask you man this wild wild west it seems like every year we're in this in this situation so your thoughts man how's this thing gonna go like how crazy is that west
0: yeah the west is real real crazy and when i mean crazy we're talking about the fact that um Myself I had to put myself in a fan mode last Friday or whatever, mm. like, and I actually had the roof of all corn state that don't happen too mm. often or whatever. Mm. But you know, um, uh, but you know, they they did what they needed to do in upsetting Prairie View in overtime, which basically for one day put out uh, put Southern back in the driver's seat for to win the west and control their own destiny but then they go to florida a go to Bragg and unfortunately lay an egg down there so all of a sudden southern doesn't control their own destiny once again and literally becomes a wild wild west where anyone from one to four teams could literally like win that right. theoretically now realistically i think it's still down to both Prairie View and Southern. I give the nod to Prairie View just because they do have what what seems to be the easier schedule. I mean they have Mississippi Valley and they have Pine Bluff in their final remaining get in their final um games while um while Southern's got Valley and Grambling, you know, coming up. So with that being said, obviously they have the easier stretch of of games if you're Prairie View. But you know, stranger things have happened when it you know when it comes to these late uh, season games. And I mean, for Southern, I mean, it's it's not an easy situation for them. I mean, obviously they're gonna face a charged up. Valley team on Saturday who just got their first win or whatever. And they're not going to hang their hat off of that first win. They're going to try to, you know, win out if they can. And then you get the bye week and then you get the gram, you know, the Grambling game down in uh, the Bayou classic down in new Orleans. And shoot, you just throw the records out with that game. You know when when it balls down to it. And I mean, Obviously, usually that game has some kind of implication on the SWAC championship game. So it would be cool mm-hmm. if 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 it goes down to that. But once again, if you're Southern, you're going to need Prairie View to drop one of their final two games, whether it's Arkansas, Pine Bluff or Mississippi Valley, you know, next week. It's simple for Prairie View. Prairie View just has to win out. That's all they have to do. They win out. Then, you Take know, care, they're basically. going to represent. Exactly. They're going to represent the West once again in the SWAC championship game uh, and basically get that rematch against potentially Jackson state. I don't want to just say Jackson state just right now, or whatever and stuff, but, but right now they are the front runner, <laughs> you know, they, they are the front runner or whatever from that. But you know, right. if you know, JSU handles business on Saturday, then we can be like, yeah, you know, for view, Jackson state, more than right. likely a swag championship rematch uh, from that situation. So yeah, the West is really, really wild. But I also will say this. I actually do like it because, that means that every single game is still meaningful all the way down to the end Absolutely. of the season. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, it's really, really good to see that. And it's really, really good to know that lots of good football do have to be played. And then on top of that, I mean, for the SWAC, we know obviously the eyeballs are on the SWAC um, as far as what's going on with everybody, every school, mm-hmm. every coach, plus Florida a they're trying to get into the FCS playoffs like they did last mm-hmm. year as – As well. And, you know, for them, they all they have to do is really just handle business um, coming up. I really think, though, in my opinion, I think they have to have some impressive victories down the stretch to impress the committee. you know, in, in these last couple of, of weeks that they've got, they've got Alabama State on Saturday, actually go to Montgomery. So that's going to be a very interesting game, Um, uh, you know, a match of a former SIAC rivals from way, way back in the gap. And then they have the Florida Classic, you know, the, fo- the following week. And who knows mm-hmm. what, you know, what Bethune-Cookman is going to bring to the yeah, table with back. that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, I mean, Bethune-Cookman had won, what, nine in a row or something before last year? In a row. Yeah, so mm-hmm. crazy. I think so. Yeah, it was, something, it was something crazy. And majority of those years, they weren't even the better team on the field, but they just had they that advantage. advantage. <laughs> yep, they mm-hmm. had the advantage over Jackson State or whatever with that. So there's still a lot of good football left to be played in the swag, no matter if you're at the top of the standings or if you're at the bottom of the standings, because – Strange things could happen for one, and everybody's trying to finish out on a good note, man. So, mm-hmm. it'll be, but going back to your original question, yeah, I don't know who the heck's coming out the west. To be honest with you, that's we why we gotta watch. It. Yeah, we'll have to watch the football games and see what goes on with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, interesting to see. We expect to clinch this weekend, and we expect to host the SWAC championship game. We hosted preview last season, and hey, I, just from a swag standpoint, you know, Jackson versus Southern in the event for the you know, championship we can't beat it especially with the first game being affected by the rain granted it didn't rain you know really ran until the second half but a lot of people stayed home because it's rain so i can just imagine that game in jack all the marble. so i uh, will see what happens but we'll take it week by week obviously upcoming for jackson state alabama a&m should be a phone in mobile mo carter we appreciate
0: It's no problem, man. Thanks for always having me on. And, you know, appreciate what you guys are doing um, with Tiger Talk and 1400 Club and whatnot. You know, keep up the good work. And we, you know, if you're heading down to Mobile, safe travels this upcoming weekend. And hopefully, you know, we'll definitely cross paths real soon once again.
1: No doubt. All right. Take care. You too. And that'll do it for this episode of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Apple Podcasts and Spotify video users rate and review the show. And everyone, go follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department. And it all starts with you. Downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every Tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Video, YouTube, and so on. And we'll be posting each episode on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. As always, thanks for your support. Go Tigers. Hashtag I believe. Hashtag I love. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants.